to Freshly Forever, a podcast that gives you fascinating insights week after week. Here's your host, Vai Kumar. Welcome to another episode on Freshly Forever. Today I'm here with David Ford. Uh, David is a junior golfer. He's a senior in high school at Rivers Academy here in the Atlanta area in Georgia. He has played multiple sports and transitioned to golf later and is now the most successful junior golf player in the Rolex AJGA rankings. David has signed with the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill to play NCAA Division I golf. Some of his major accomplishments include winning the 2020 AJGA Junior Invitational at Sedgefield, 2020 AJGA Junior Players Championship, 2020 Bobby Chapman Junior Invitational, the 2020 AJGA Rolex Tournament of Champions, and David is now the number one ranked junior golfer in the world. I'm really thrilled to have him on the show to discuss aspects of junior golf and the pathway to success. Hey, David, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. So can we start with having you kind of give us an idea or the pathway for anyone that wants to pursue junior golf? Um, yeah, I got into golf when I was probably 14 is when I started getting serious about it. Um, so I got a little bit later of a start than some people, but mm-hmm. it can be done in a lot of different ways. I know my, some of my friends played when they were like seven six all the way up until now and they're they're doing well um but i just got a little bit of a late start so it was fine but um sometimes i wish i could have started earlier but um it worked out fine and i'm happy with where i'm at oh absolutely um i think though you were late i think you're very much on the right path so thank you uh, i think that that worked out perfectly for you i guess and um, so who motivated you to get into the sport? Um, my dad did. My dad played his whole life. He kind of grew up like I did, um, playing at a country club and hanging out with his friends all day. Um, so he he introduced me to the game and he said, go hit balls if you want to. Go, I don't know, hang out with your friends. Go do whatever you want at the golf course. Um, and I kind of fell in love with it from there. Oh, that's wonderful. And when do you think it's a right age to start pursuing junior golf, both in terms of training and tournament play? Um, I think um, my advice to if if any parents or even any of the kids out there um, wanted to start, it'd be start once you feel like you really love it. Um, start playing more, start getting more serious about it um, as you want to and don't feel forced to. Um, cause there's, there's people that get into it at different ages, like I said, and it doesn't really matter. It ultimately, it doesn't really matter what age you get into it at. Um, you're going to be on the same path or an even better path if you love the game. Um, mm-hmm. so I think it's just whenever, whenever you fall in love with it or however much you want to, I'd say, don't, don't force yourself. Okay. So maybe, uh, start playing it just for fun, but then, you know, transition to more serious stuff whenever someone is ready is the message, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
Okay, perfect. And I think your journey is a total testament to that. So I wouldn't even worry about the age there. Um, although I just felt like asking for the sake of the listeners. Yeah. And um, I know you were involved in uh, multiple sports. And so what all did you play and how did you make the transition to golf? What made you think, okay, now is the time I want to pursue golf seriously? Um, I played 14 seasons of roller hockey growing up and I played five seasons of baseball. I played two seasons mm -hmm. of lacrosse. Um, I kind of, I played a lot of sports outside of golf and golf was always on the side or somewhere in between all those. It was a balance when I was younger. Um, but, and then I got into golf. I dropped all the other sports when I was 14 and just cause I liked golf the best. It was like no, none of my parents pushed me to gravitate towards golf. It was kind of just something I did on my own. Um, I, uh, I got serious about it around 14 and kind of just took it from there. So how do you think your involvement in other sports, uh, contributed to your success in golf? I think, um, the competitiveness of the other sports helped me with golf because golf is really competitive. Um, but it's, mm -hmm. it's less it's not as fast paced as say basketball or even baseball. Um, so basketball or hockey, those got my competitive juices flowing all the time when I was on the, on the, on the rink or, or, uh, on the field, on the court, whatever it was. Um, it was like, go, go, go. I'm always competing. Um, and mm -hmm. golf is golf is you have some breaks in there. Um, you can think about something else. Um, so I think the, the basketball and the, the baseball, the hockey, those helped me to, those kind of fueled my competitiveness, I feel like. Okay. Um, what role do you think um, your family played in making you successful? And uh, I know your brother is a competitive golfer as well. And so including him competing alongside you, um, what role do you think everyone in your family played in making you successful? Um, I think my parents did a really good job of letting me do my own thing and not choosing my path for me. So my dad, my mom, they kind of just told me to like, they want, they let me play whatever I want, whether it was hockey or golf or anything mm -hmm. um, or reading a book or riding my bike, whatever it was, they let me do what I wanted to do. Um, and kind of let me see what I wanted to do later in life. Um, and so from that aspect, they, they helped me a lot just cause they were hands off and they let me mm -hmm. grow my love for golf and other things by myself. So it was, it was ultimately like self-driven, but they, they were the ones that, um, my parents were the ones that, that let me do that. And uh, now that I hear your parents have had such a positive influence and they were like hands off and gave you all the liberty that you needed, what do you think you want to say um, to other parents that are involved in the life of a junior golfer? Yeah, um, it's definitely a question that I've gotten asked a few times and I'm sure my dad has been asked it. Um, but I think you can't force them to do anything because – when they go to college or when you're not around, um, if they're doing the things that you told them to do when you're not around and they do it, say they practice putting drills or 
chipping. Um, if they do that by themselves, um, when you're, when you're not there, then they probably have more of a love for it than, um, than if you're just constantly pushing, pushing them. Um, and if it's like, like I said, so for me, it was like, I learned to develop a love for the game and I wanted to work, um, work for what I love just cause I love the sport so much. I wanted to work for it mm-hmm. because I, uh, because my parents were so hands off. So I think that the more you let them love it them by themselves, um, then the more success they're going to have because they want that success for themselves. Having said uh, what you did, David, um, about parental involvement and you having played multiple sports, how important is it again for parents to let their children choose what they want to play because so many kids play multiple sports. I think it's really important. Uh, I'm not a parent, but um, I've seen, (laughs) I've been alive for 18 years and I've seen my parents and other parents. um, So I know, I know something about it um, as being a child. Um, But I think if say your kid is seven years old or 10 years old and he doesn't really know what he wants his career path to be, there's just no way to know his, his, um, his desires could change whatever his or her desires could change. Um, so there's really no way for him or her to know what they want to be doing, but they have things that they love at that age. So like, say they're seven, 10, 12, they love to play basketball or they love to just Uh read books. They want to do anything with literature. Um, then they love that at that time. I don't see why you wouldn't let them do that. Um, maybe, you know, what's better for them ultimately, but if they can, if they can kind of develop those thoughts for themselves and what they like, then I think it's, it's easier for them to see what they really like for themselves and what they're going to be happy doing. That's well said. I think, yeah, my question also was, I know, obviously you're just 18 years old and it's hard to speak totally from a parent's perspective, but, uh, I think my question was more centered around, uh, the need for parents to not be helicoptering and being hands-off. And uh, I think a lot of times in sports, uh, us parents, we make mistakes. And uh, uh, I have a competitive uh, tennis player in my household, and I know how hard it is when when parents, you know, uh, over-involve themselves than, than what is necessary. And let's talk about your game. Um, how um, did it change from what it was? And I know you seriously started pursuing it when you were 14, but then you started and you had your, um, uh, what shall I say? You had your share of successes and also, you know, some moments that you probably um, would not want to discuss. Uh, but at the same time, you've had tremendous success uh, for the past year and a half or two. So your rise to the top, how does it feel to be the number one junior golfer in the world? And how did your game change? Um, it feels really good. It's kind of all I've been working for for since I was 14. And sometimes people, nobody really asks me that. Um uh, yeah, I don't really get that question. So I don't really have any time to think about it, let it sink in. Um, I'm kind of just trying to focus on what's next. But 
mm-hmm. it does feel really good. It's it's definitely a rewarding feeling when I've been working um, as hard as I can since I was thir- 14 or 15, um, really wanting it. And when I was 14 or 15, I didn't, I didn't, I believed that I could get there simply because I worked harder than everybody else at that age, just because I like to play golf more than them. Um, I like to be on the golf course. People would be like, why are you still out here? Why do you want to, to put so many putts? And like, it wasn't just because I wanted to show them how hard I was working. It was just because re- I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Um, mm-hmm. But over time, it kind of developed into this thing where like I wanted to work harder than everyone else and I wanted to be the best just because I loved it so much. Um, and I figured it was kind of like the perfect combination of like I love this sport and I want to be the best at it. And they kind of reacted off each other. So like I wanted to be the best because I loved it so much. And I loved it so much because my competitive juices kind of fueled that love. Um, and I wasn't always the best. Like I wasn't always an amazing player. Um, mm-hmm. I believed that I was working hard and harder than everyone else. And I believed, I didn't know that I loved it more, but I, I knew that I loved golf a lot. Um, and it was my passion truly. And it kind of just came with time. I got a little later start and my coach made me realize that, like if I'm if I'm continuing to working at to work at the pace that I was working at um when I was that young then um good things would come and it, it took a little time um but yeah it 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 happened in phases like it wasn't like oh all my success came at once like I got so good all at once it's like it, it grew over time and in phases and it's still growing oh absolutely I think every day you know. Uh, each one of us, we learn and get better. And I think your modesty speaks right there. And uh, I know you said it hasn't sunk in much, but it feels good. But hey, I think I'm I'm really thrilled and happy to have you here on the show as the number one junior golf. So what is an area or um, certain areas you would say you focused on to get better? I've, I've talked about this with my coach a little bit. Um, and the main thing wasn't an area of golf that is so important. Like there's ball striking and then there's chipping and then there's putting. Um, mm-hmm. And there's, so there's kind of three parts of it. And then there's a little sub parts within those. But um, for me, it was, I kind of, I, I gravitated towards what I like to do and I love to hit golf balls. Like I just love to sit on the range and hit golf balls until I try, I tried to make my hands bleed um, just to mm-hmm. show everyone that it was cool. Like I was, I was working hard, but they never did. Um, but I, I love to hit golf balls. Like it's something that I love to just sit on the range and hit drivers or hit seven irons or whatever. It's just what I love doing most. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what my strength is because I love it so much. Um, so yeah, it was, it was mainly just ball striking is what I've focused on, I guess. And it's something that I believe in very strongly because I focused on it so much. Okay, fantastic. Um, okay, I I did read up on you and I learned that, yes, you have such a great passion uh, for driving the ball uh, versus a short game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know you subsequently focused on uh, your short game and putting and getting better at that. So can you talk about that and how your brother Maxwell being very good at putting influenced you to 
get better and say like as a healthy um you know competition standpoint yeah um it wasn't always healthy competition i'd say with me and my brother because we're <laughs> there's so much competition between us and i was at least in when we were 15 16 i was always a lot better at um ball striking like driving hitting the seven iron um and he was always a lot better around the greens and putting it's just mm-hmm. how it, how it was back then um and I think he had a lot of belief in his putting the same way I had a belief in my ball striking just because we, mm-hmm. we each gravitated towards me ball striking him putting. And it's just how it happened. I guess when we were younger, he would always be on the putting green. I'd be on the driving range. And mm-hmm. um, it, it, it took me a little while to realize that he was a better putter than me and that it was, it was impacting my scores um, just because mm-hmm. he was, he was making more putts than me. I was hitting it closer than him, but he was making more putts. Um, and it, it motivated me for sure. It, it made me want to get off the range and go practice putting more. So I've had my fair share of, of grinding on the putting green. And I think it's it's helped me learn myself more. And it's, it's helped me ultimately become a, a really good putter in my eyes. But I think without him, I wouldn't um, have the respect and the knowledge of putting that I that I know I need. That's a good acknowledgement of your brother's skills right there. Uh, so how do you deal with adversity when things don't go right during play? And uh, how does it make you differ in decisions that you would take on the course? Say your putts don't drop or your drives miss targets and your scores aren't what you envision on a certain day. Um, For me, that's a topic that I've gotten asked by a lot of people that have struggled. Um, they'd say like, like say I was playing, I was playing really well, uh, March of 2020. I got a lot of mm-hmm. top tens, but I didn't know how good I was. And a kid asked me, he said, like, you haven't struggled yet. Why haven't you struggled yet? Or yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think I will. And he said, you will dude. I promise you, you will. And I said, I looked at him and I was like, I really don't, I don't think I will. Like, why would you, why, why have the belief that you will struggle? It's just not going to help you. Um, but those things can happen and, um, they will happen. Some may be longer than others, depending on the person. But for me, it was uh, most times it's like, don't struggle, try not to struggle. And, but when it, when it does happen in reality, when it does happen, then I think, uh, for me, I take a step back and realize that I still love this game. And that's something I'll always know is how much I love golf. And um, it's something that I don't really have to think about in adversity. But um, it's it's keeping my composure. It's knowing that I love golf and kind of taking it from there. Um, I don't have a whole lot of experience with like crazy adversity just because I try to get past it as quick as possible. And mm-hmm. I try to just put it out of my mind and just try to get better in that moment. And it's something that I'm blessed with just because of the people I've been surrounded by. My coach has always been, has always been good at talking to me about that. And my brothers pushed me to like, there's one option I have to get better. That's kind of how it is in my mind. It's just how I think um, the people around me have pushed me in that way. My coach, Chris Moore has done a great job. 
and my brother obviously has pushed me, but um, adversity will come to some people. But for me, it's get better in that moment. Uh, do you meditate at all? Does that help you in staying calm? I don't. Um, I've thought about it and people have told me about it, but I don't. Okay. Um, how does any of the challenge that you face on the course translate to what you do in practice, say, when you go on to practicing chipping or bunker play or any such? Um, yeah, it's always going to be different on the course. And on the course is where you play your tournaments. So that's why I feel like it's so important to play instead of practice. Get on the golf course when you can instead of just sitting on the chipping green or putting green. Um, that's really fun for me, at least. I like sitting on the range, chipping green, putting green. Um, but playing the golf course is, is where, it, where it happens, and that's where you're going to learn the most, in my opinion. And I think they're two completely different things, practicing versus playing. So my advice to anybody would be just get on the golf course if you can and learn that way. So do you follow any uh, pregame routines or rituals? And um, I know every sport comes with its own share of weather delays and whatnot. So how do you deal with any of that? In terms of pregame stuff, it's something that I don't, I don't, I've played a lot of tournaments and um, I've played golf so intensely, I'd say. Um, for the period of time that I've been playing, that it's something that comes kind of naturally right now. It's the pregame is like, I know what I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to be on the range at this time. I know when I want to go to the putting green. And there's nothing really special that I do. I stretch. And then I head to the golf course about an hour before my tee time. But for me, there's nothing special. Um, other guys or girls might say differently for their game. But for me, it's nothing special. That's about it. I'm not that special in that term. Okay. You seem to be naturally gifted uh, in that area. So I think uh, that's really great and that's to your advantage. And as far as relaxation during a tournament, I know you try to stay very calm and you seem to be naturally again, you know, it comes to you. Uh, I heard you guys play ping pong. Is that right? Yeah, we we love to play some ping pong. All the junior golfers, many junior golfers like ping pong. Okay. So is it is that something, is that your go-to when there's any delay or when there's any free time? Like you just want to take your mind off of golf. Is that what you kind of do? Yeah. I'd say if there's ping pong at a tournament um, anywhere, anywhere, then there's always going to be people that want to play ping pong so there's never going to be any trouble finding a game um to play anybody but yeah i'd say if there's a weather delay or anything then that's that's probably where i'm going okay <laughs> i read some stories about that too but i guess i'll save that for another conversation uh, how about um recovery post championships like how much focus do you attach to recovering and making sure that you know, you deal with your body, right? It's something that I'm still learning. I think after, after a tournament, I'm usually not too beat up just because I play golf every day. It's just what I want to do. It's just how I want to live right now. Um, I want to be on the golf course every single day, playing as many holes as I can, just because I want to be out there. And so at a tournament, it's not that different. It's no different physically from what I usually do. 
I'm playing 18 holes and practicing. It's nothing, it's nothing crazy. Um, but mentally, sometimes I've had, I've had to prepare myself mentally for the next tournament after the tournament mm-hmm. I just played. Cause every course is different for other sports. I know it's, it's totally different, but every course is different. Every course you need to know how to prepare yourself for, um, what kind of tournament is, what the weather's going to be like. So I think it's more of, I don't, I don't really take any off days. Like I just don't believe in off days. Other people will tell you differently, I'm sure, but it's just not something that I like to do, especially after a tournament. Um, like I just, I really, it kind of eats me up inside when I'm not on the golf course. So I don't really take that much time to recover my body, but it's more of focusing on my mind and getting my mind ready for the next one. Even after I say win a tournament or whatever it may be in, in the tournament before. Uh, I think you, you are really at it. I mean, you, you just seem to want to do it over and over again. And uh, your passion speaks right there, I guess. What about the emphasis on fitness and how do you kind of, you know, keep yourself healthy? I know every sport comes with its share of injuries and uh, do your coaches help you um, in kind of addressing those aspects like the fitness and injury prevention and all of that? Um, it's not my swing coach, but I have, I know some people, I know the strength coach at UNC. Um, I just started talking to him and there's a few other guys that I've gone to a guy named Randy Meyer in Sea Island. Um, but I haven't really had that much trouble with injuries or um, fitness in the past. Um, but golf is a lot of twisting and turning and it can take a, a pretty big toll on your back. I'd say, at least for me, it has Uh in the the past few weeks or months. Um, so I am starting to do more fitness, but I I haven't done anything in the past, but I'm going to start doing more fitness really shortly and more stretching. And it's mainly for injury prevention, just so I can know where my body's at. How much is too much then as far as practice or tournament play? I know you are a firm believer in just uh, going back to the course right after a tournament, but is that something that you have given uh, any thoughts and uh, what helped you peak and when do golfers feel burnout? Uh, Say, is that when they play tournament after tournament and then they immediately return to practice that you commonly think, people start to feel burnout. It seems like it's very different in your case though, but um, how do you think you peaked? What helped you peak? But when is it that commonly other people that you notice uh, face this burnout? Yeah, um, it's definitely different for everybody. Um, The head coach at UNC, his name's Andrew DiBattetto. He's an incredibly smart guy with different people and different golfers and evaluating what works for each person. And so there are guys on the UNC team that if they play, if they practice every day, all day, like as much as they can, then they won't like golf as much and they can still succeed um, with that way with say they take a day off or they go have fun a day and then they go practice and they play great. um, And they they play great doing that. And they know that Mm -hmm. that's for them. And that's, that's how they operate. Um, and then there's, there's other guys on the UNC team where they're kind of like me. They, they like to, they like to practice all they can because they don't see any reason not to. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, 
there's two different types of passion. They both love the game. Um, but it's, it's different ways of how you operate. So if you're at the golf course or on the basketball court and every sport's going to be different as ter- in terms of how many hours you can put in, but say you're, you're practicing and it's right after a tournament and you, you're like, all right, I'm going to go practice. Um, and you go, you go practice and you're there and you're not having any fun. You don't feel like you're getting better Then there's, in my eyes, there's no point in, in doing that. And, um, but it's going to be different for everybody. And I think it's just figuring out, um, what works for you and what's worked for, what's worked for me is just, it's, it's going to be different for everybody. So if anyone's listening and they're like, well, I don't, I don't spend all day, every day at the golf course. That's not to say I'm doing anything right. That's just what works for me. And that's mm-hmm. like, if, if it's in your eyes, then in your eyes, if that's not what you want to be doing, then I would say, don't do that. But for me, that's helped me peak and keep getting better. It's just like practicing, giving it all I got. And it's where I, it's where I find joy, honestly. Absolutely. And maybe it helps you stay focused as well, doing it over and over again, perhaps. Right. Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. For me, it does. Okay. And you have, touched upon UNC quite a few times now and uh, congratulations on committing to UNC. What was important to you with your choice and uh, what's your advice for anyone looking at uh, Division I golf and uh, how significant is it to attach yourself with the right coach? Uh, Yeah, thank you. Um, I think that college golf is available for anybody um, if they like it. Um, and I go back to loving the game so much, but it's kind of where I feel like it's, it's helped me the most, um, more than a lot of other people. And I think for, for UNC, there were guys on the team that I could see really love golf and love competing and they wanted mm-hmm. to get better. And same with the coaches, they, the coaches at UNC, Andrew DiBattetto and Matt Clark, they, um, they do a terrific job of managing all their players and seeing what works best for them. And I think that's one of the biggest, one of the biggest things that I was able to see through UNC um, when I was on my visits there and visiting other schools is that the guys at UNC really, really care about winning and doing what's right and all the good things that you want in a coach. Winning, you want a coach that wants to win. You want a coach that's going to pick you up when you're down and tell you to get better when you're you're too up um, and maybe not working as hard and. That's something that I felt like I could have at UNC with the coaches. Um, and that's something that I encourage everybody to take a look at. Um, I, people, whatever sport it may be, they might have this great idea of a school in their head. Um, like, I want to go to the number one school in the country right now. And say they say that in 2021. And then they commit in 2022 um, to that school mm-hmm. that they wanted to go to in 2021. And then in 2024, when they get there, it's nothing like what they saw. Um, and mm-hmm. so the coaches on a team, at least for golf, matter a lot in the teammates because those are the guys you're going to be around. Um, I'd say those those guys matter a lot. The coaches and the teammates, they're going to push you. They're going to help you get better. And that's ultimately what made me choose UNC was if I'm working every day before I get to UNC or while I'm at UNC, I want to work for somebody that wants to win almost as badly as I want to. And that was kind of what I saw in the UNC coaches. Oh, perfect. 
Um, so seems to have aligned very well there in uh, with what you believe in as well. Back in a moment with our guest on Fresh Leaf Forever. How do you balance school and sports? You know, like you have said, you spend a lot of time on the golf course. So how is it that you are able to strike a balance there? And how do you think, you know, you'll be able to manage everything that the demands of a college education brings? Um, I think I've done a pretty good job of managing in high school. I feel like um, for me right now, at 18 years old, golf is first right now, um, and then school is second. Mm-hmm. And there's other social things, um, but for me, it's my brain is just kind of wired to put golf first. And so, um, if I have an option on a Sunday morning to finish my schoolwork in the morning or go to the course all day, then I'm probably going to go to the course all day. And that's just something like my brain just wants right now. It just feeds mm-hmm. off of being at the golf course and wanting to get better like that. And school doesn't really do that for me. So, um, but at the same time, I, I have to get my schoolwork done in order to mm-hmm. play golf. Um, and that's my parents did a good job. My mom has done a good job of um, telling me that I need to do my schoolwork and that it's, she's really good at managing, not micromanaging, but telling me she, she worries about school and I kind of worry about golf. And, mm-hmm. um, she's, she's good at knowing a lot about school and telling me what I need to do in order to graduate or in order to have more hours going into UNC. Um, yeah, she's, she's done a good job of keeping, making, she always, sometimes she asks me, um, about a certain grade, like if I got an 80 on a math test or something, um, or if I failed the math test or something, she'll be like, did you fail a math test? And I'll be like, yeah, but I want to play golf. So it's okay. Um, and she'll, <laughs> that's kind of how it goes. Usually I'll, I'll kind of relate something back to golf, but um, she has done a good job of making sure I'm prioritizing my school at the same time. When you probably say, Oh, I want to play golf. Then she probably finds her own way to emphasize on how school, uh, <laughs> you know, how important school is as well. Right. And speaking of mom, yeah. you know, probably an awkward question for an 18 year old. I heard she used to, uh, get you dressed in blue to help differentiate you and your brother because people, you know, you guys being very identical, you're one of triplets and you guys being very identical, people didn't, um, they couldn't differentiate. And so she always used to get you dressed up in blue. And I guess it seems to have aligned perfectly with your college colors now, you know, with the uniform that you're going to sport in UNC. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird how that happened. Um, I don't think my mom ever mentioned it during the recruiting process to any of the coaches. Maybe she did and I just didn't know about it. But yeah, when we were, even when we were really, really little, she used to dress me up in blue and my brother up in red. And even when we were like six months old, or I don't know how old you start dressing kids. I haven't gotten there yet, but, um, yeah, she always, she always dressed us up in, in our colors and, that's how she told us apart and that's how other people told us apart. And it's kind of stuck even 18 years later. I'm, I still wear blue all the time and I'm going to be wearing blue for the next 
four and a half years and he's going to be wearing red for a while I'm sure um so yeah it's kind of weird how it all worked out so uh, what role does a sister play in helping you with anything you guys miss from school while you're away at tournaments yeah she it's kind of a balancing act i guess she gets in on on mine and maxwell's homework or whatever it might be um if if she sees maxwell and i are working on math or history she'd be like wait i i need i need to I need to be in on this. I don't want to, I don't want to miss anything. Um, and, and same, same goes for, um, if she's doing something and she can help me with it. So yeah, she does a, she, she's been helpful in, in, uh, helping with my school and other things too. Um, but yeah, we go to the same school, so we're in all the same classes. So yeah, that's something that sticks out. I think that really helps, right? About nutrition and any connection that it has on your success. Have you just taken things as they uh, come along or have you just placed special emphasis to how you fuel your body for championships and has that played any role in how you perform? I know there are cases where it really helps, but have you uh, paid any special emphasis to that? Um, A little bit. I think it's something that's kind of that I've learned to manage as it comes. And as I see issues, like in a tournament back in June of 2019, I, um, I had a problem where I wasn't eating enough on the golf course. And then I started mm-hmm. eating enough, but I ate in one round, I ate 80 grams of protein and I think a hundred grams of sugar, just worth of protein bars. And I knew my body needed fuel, but it was coming from all the wrong all the wrong food. So I would get mm-hmm. over a putt and my body would shake it just cause I'm nervous. Like I don't shake when I'm nervous when I'm eating the right things, but when I eat a hundred grams of sugar, then my body mm-hmm. starts to shake. And so I've learned that when I either don't eat or eat too much sugar, then my body gets in, in tournaments only my body starts getting a little off. Um, just cause my blood sugar is fluctuates when I'm nervous, I guess. So that's something I've learned as my, just for myself that um, nutrition on the course matters. But other than that, I kind of just eat whatever I want and whatever's going to fill me up. Um, I'm I'm blessed with good genes um, in terms of weight and um, yeah. So right now I'm 18 and I kind of just eat whatever I want. I'm sure people tell me when I get older that I'll have problems um, if I keep eating like I do. But I mean. Um, I'm I'm not gaining any weight um and I eat fairly healthy so um I kind of dress things as they come on. Okay, that's fair enough. And I just want to um talk about your path to uh playing professional golf. Uh but just before we get to that for any listener to have an understanding of what their pathway could be right from the time they start as a junior. I mean say in a beginner stage, can you just quickly take us through what their path could be? And then can we specifically talk about your path to playing professional golf? Yeah. Um, well, one thing that I've noticed is there's so many guys who do it so many different ways. There's kind of no way for other people to know how good um, any of the tour pros are relative to themselves, I feel like. Um, and there's no way to know how good they're going to be. So like 
say there's a guy named Zach Johnson who I think he went to Delta State, um, a Division two school, and he's he won mm-hmm. the Masters. Um, he's on tour. He's been on tour on the PGA Tour for I want to say it's got to be over. It's at least fifteen years, um, mm-hmm. and he's done great playing at a small D one school. I imagine he wasn't recruited very heavily um, out of junior golf. I could be wrong, but he went to a small college. And then there's guys like Tiger Woods who won the every event you can think of um, on tour or on on mm-hmm. in junior golf. He won everything in junior golf, and mm-hmm. um, he won everything in amateur golf. And he played one two years at Stanford, something like that. Um, and then he went pro. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's it's different for everybody. And I think there's there's no reason to limit your path to the PGA tour based off any specific event or because you're not getting recruited. Um, and like, I know people who haven't gotten recruited or there's guys like, there's another guy named Gary Woodland on tour and he played college basketball and he won the U S open in 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, he's done, he's made a living playing golf and he's one of the best players on tour. So there's so many different ways to do it that my path will be different than any other person's path. So um, I think it's just like you got to have that passion and the love and then whatever you want to do, I think you can get there anyway. There's so many different ways um, and people have proved that over the years. So there's all the proof you need that it's possible whatever way you want to. Um, but mine is going to be different than a lot of people's. Okay. So when a beginner, uh, you know, gets into golf and then they progress into the intermediate advanced stage and then goes on to uh, state, regional, national levels, is that kind of like the track um, that one follows before they get into this AJGA or junior all-star and all of that? Yeah. Um, in, In the South, at least, in the Southeast, there's... There's plenty of tournaments. There's good weather almost year round and there's plenty of tournaments to play. So there's Southeastern junior golf tour is a really good one for any skill level. Um, or I guess, um, once you get a little bit more advanced and want to play at the regional level, then Southeastern's are really good one. And then, um, everyone's going to be different, but you move up to AJGAs and there's, there's AJGA previews, which is kind of the, a beginner for AJGA, I guess. And then there's junior all-stars, which are for younger kids. Um, but they're a good way to test your game even more. And then mm-hmm. there's opens and then there's invitationals. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of different steps and a lot of different levels of junior golf. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it'd be, it's fun to, to move up and test yourself against different players. Excellent. What about funny moments, awkward moments that you have encountered along the way, you know, be it school, be it golf, whatever it might be? There's definitely a lot. Um, I've definitely been called the wrong name a lot. I've been called Maxwell a bunch. Um, one one time in, in November of, let's see, November 2020, um, there was a tournament in I actually won the tournament and they announced my name to come up and my brother went up. Um, we just thought it'd be funny if he would, he would go up and try to accept the award. But so he walked up in front of all these people and then 
Um, he came back or he came back before he got to the guy and I walked out. Um, so I guess that was kind of funny. It was funny to us at least. Um, I don't know if anyone else thought it was funny, but yeah, it was, um, that's, that's one that sticks out to me. Oh, I'm sure anyone that knows you guys will certainly consider it funny. Um, what about something, um, if you were to call the most memorable moment, what would that be? I think it changes with how the different times go in golf. Like I'll be thinking about something one month, one week, and then I'll be thinking about something completely different the next. And whether it's further along, like in the future, in the past, um, there's always things that I think about that change. But um, one that sticks out to me is, is probably at the AJGA Invitational at Sedgefield. Um, that was my first invitational win. So it was, it was coming back after the, um, COVID break and Mm -hmm. it was the first tournament back for AJGA. And a lot of my friends were there and, um, I had my girlfriend there supporting me and walking down the last hole, there was a kid who was a big UNC fan. He was somewhere between the age of eight and 12. I think he was 12. Maybe he was 12. I don't know. I'm not very good with ages now, but he was a, he was a young kid and Mm -hmm. his name's Owen justice. Pretty sure. And he was um, walking alongside me from hole seven to 18 and Mm -hmm. walking up hole 18. I had no idea where I was. Um, I knew I was probably near the lead, but I didn't know if I was leading or winning or anything. And Mm I um, walking up to 18 green, there was a, a decent amount of people, but Owen, I was talking to uh, this kid walking beside me. His name's Owen. And he was like, I was like, why are there, why are there so many people? Or I said something like that. I was like, why is everyone around the green? And he was like, um, he was like, dude, cause you just won a golf tournament. I was like, wait, it's, it's not over yet. And so that was kind of, that's kind of when I realized that I had won. And that's something that I will remember for a while. I'm sure. I hope he remembers it at least. It was, it was pretty fun, but um, I think interacting with young kids is something that I like. Also at another tournament, the Bobby Chapman, there were these two kids who followed me on the last few holes and I'd been kind of interacting with them and maybe making a few jokes to them. And then walking up 17, I hit one of the best shots of my life and we just had a really good conversation walking up, um, walking up to 17 green, the second to last hole. Mm-hmm. And there's just, I guess it's like it, it's little things, but it's like, they don't seem that small to me. Um, like I know, I think they appreciate it. Um, being able to talk to somebody who's on the golf course competing. And then I really enjoy it being able to, to talk to somebody who is in a completely different place than I am younger than me. And moments like that stick out to me probably the most. Oh, certainly. I think, uh, being an inspiration to many is certainly, you know, I can understand how, how significant that is to anyone and for the youngsters that are benefiting from what you are offering, I'm sure, you know, uh, that's, that's even more significant. So what typically, you know, would you, would you say to someone like that, you know, looking to play golf or improving their game seems like those kind of kids are already well into golf and they know their way. They are passionate about the game, but if you were to, you know, like throw your two cents at them, what would be your advice to them? Um, I'd say 
there's I heard something a little while ago, I think two years ago, and it was a guy who was on tour and he said, practice your strengths. So practice what you're good at. Um, but mm-hmm. I see it as um, I, I ask a lot of young people this just because I like to hear what they um, I like to hear their answers. Um, but I ask them, um, what do you what's your favorite part about golf or what's like what's something that you love to do on the golf course or even off the golf course? Um, but in terms of a golfer, I say, like, what's your favorite part about golf? And they'll say having a putting contest or I like to mm-hmm. hit these crazy drives or have contests that are just so stupid or play in the rain when it's cause nobody else is out there. Um, and I ask them like, what's their favorite thing? And then they'll come back to me with answers. Usually it's something like, uh, I like chipping or something kind of boring. And I'm like, all right, well go chip, go practice chipping if you like to do it. Um, and don't do anything else. Like hit as many chips as you can get good at that. Um, cause mm-hmm. if, if you're good at that, you're going to like it more. And, um, yeah, you're, you're going to like it because you're good at it and it's just going to make you want to practice it more. Um, so that's something that I'd say is my biggest piece of advice is, um, yeah, practice your strengths, but more practice what you love. Oh, that's very well said, David. And what would be your, um, advice in terms of how they can hone their skills, say, um, even if they are not very serious about golf, but they are just, you know, like, kids they are looking at multiple sports initially but for someone to be successful in uh playing golf later on what skills do you think one should emphasize on would that be like hand eye coordination or you know like athletic balance if you were to just point some things out what would you tell them to focus on without even probably emphasizing it uh, very specifically but what is it that one should kind of pay attention to i think for me um i think hand-eye coordination has been important because um i'm not someone who likes to chip a lot um but chipping is a a lot of hand-eye coordination it's not a a very long backswing um and it's kind of just right there at your hands is where you need it my experience in baseball hockey and basketball helped me with that when i was younger and maybe even a little now. So I think hand-eye coordination um, could definitely be important. And then taking care of your body, it's probably not as big of a problem as uh, when you're just starting out golf, Um, but know what's too much for your body and maybe find something else to do when your body starts to break down a little bit. That's a little bit more of an advanced thing, but um, if you can do that even when you're starting out, say you something hurts in your wrist when you're just starting out golf, and maybe try a little more um, and see if it gets any better. And if it doesn't, then help or ask for some help from somebody. Um, So injuries and hand-eye and, yeah, physical stuff like that can definitely help. Okay. Um, If you were to say uh, what was really a differentiating aspect in your journey, uh, what would that be? Um, I think there are a lot of them. I I hope there will continue to be a lot of them. But one thing that my coach Mm -hmm. always points out, he – does a really good job of seeing things from a different angle as me. His name's Chris Moore. He's, he's really good. He always thinks it's a, it's, it was a junior all-star, an AJGA junior all-star qualifier in 2018. Um, it was June, 2018. And I'd never really won any tournaments before that. And this was just a qualifier for the tournament, but I mm-hmm. shot 66 and won the qualifier. And mm-hmm. it was a big celebrating moment. Like I felt, amazing after it 
And obviously looking back on it, it's not something that I think about very much mm-hmm. just because I've, I've, I've moved up and I've, I've accomplished more and I've, I've gotten better than what I felt like I was back then. But my coach always says that's when I really like had the passion for it. I really knew like that's what I wanted to do. Um, and yeah, so I guess that moment back then was the biggest one starting out. Fantastic. And how do you react when someone compares you to such greats in the game? Say someone brings up a Tiger Woods or a Jack Nicklaus or whatever, or whomever that may be. And, uh, if someone were to say, hey, can you really match up to that? I know you don't get overwhelmed by that, but what is your reaction? You know, let the listeners hear from you firsthand. Do you like being compared, first of all? Yeah, I, I love it. Um, I do love it. Um, and I talked with my good friend about this. His name's Luke Edwards. He's one of my best friends. Um, but I told him, I, I usually tell people or try to tell people that when I really think about it, there are things that Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas did that I believe I can do better. Um, there are things that I do that I feel like I'm doing the most. So if they didn't do the most every single day, then they wouldn't be better than me. Um, and that's, I know that's a, that's an answer that might strike people as like far off or not what they're used to hearing. Um, but it's something that like, I believe that there are people around me um, and I'm blessed with like the right people around me. There are things that I can do better with those people or things that I can um, get help with or even just do on my own that nobody else did. Um, th- there's there's no reason that I couldn't be better than them. I think more people get scared off about the, it's Tiger Woods, I can't be better than him, look how good he is. Um, but if you think about it and you do the most that you can, then there's no reason that you couldn't be better than that. Anyone couldn't be better than them. Oh, that's a great message. And right there, you know, it portrays your confidence. And if you were to point out one chart or stroke of yours, that's the most aesthetic and uh, makes people say, oh, David is a delight to watch. What would that be? Is that your curved uh, backswing or well, what is that? I think it, it might be. And you're a lefty, correct? Yeah, I'm a lefty. I don't really know how people see see me or see my golf game, but I know how how I see it. And sometimes when when I think about it, then I really think it's my ball striking. That um, like if I were if if Tiger Woods was watching me on the range um, or watching me do everything in in my practice, what would he notice? And I think mm-hmm. it'd be it'd be my my ball striking or um, like watching me hit an iron. I feel like I'm that's my strength and. Um, if I believe that there's nobody else that hits an iron like me, then um, then that can very very possibly be the case. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's um, it's definitely my irons and and I mean everyone people might tell you differently. I don't really know, but for me, looking looking inward, it'd definitely be um, my uh, my iron play. Okay, fantastic. Is there anything else you would like to share with uh, the junior golf community, David? And I know your parents haven't hovered much and let you be what you are and who you are. And uh, that has been highly instrumental in you being successful. I'd say that even though I just talked about golf for an hour, however long it was, it's unbelievable how much I love to talk about golf. Sometimes I think I like talking about golf more than I like playing golf. It's come natural to me. 
I've loved every part of it. I've engulfed myself into it. For mm-hmm. if the golfers listening out there, it's easy to get caught up into listening to me talking about golf and thinking everything about it's so perfect. Um, and to me, it is. But there's things that that other people are going to like more than golf, and that's just the reality of it. I, I like to use the example of reading a book because I like reading, and I can see how someone would love to read more than they like to do anything else. I'd say let them do that. Um, or if they like math, then that, um, if they like talking to people about becoming an entrepreneur, whatever it is, there are other things out there and there are other things that you might love more. I would say experiment and find what you, what you like to do. It might, it might not be golf. Um, just find what you like to do. Okay. Follow your heart, follow your passion. That's a wonderful message to, uh, sign off. It was such a pleasure having you on the show and, uh, Wishing you more and more success in everything you do. And uh, thanks so much for being on the show, David. Wish you good luck. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. As always, before I sign off, folks, let me remind you to subscribe and follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google. And the website is www.freshleafforever.com. That's one word. And make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Fresh Leaf Forever and on Twitter at Fresh Leaf Forever One. I enjoy reading your feedback and appreciate the follow. Let's make week after week a Fresh Leaf Forever on the podcast. See you then. Mm-hmm.